What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 174 of The VK Bros with Jason and Alex Von Cannell. Hope you guys are doing very, very well this uh, beautiful... I'm going to guess it's a sunny Monday morning. I'm going to guess it's a Sunday Monday morning because they've been forecasting rain for two fucking weeks, which has not arrived. Uh, We're we're recording this on Friday afternoon. We have survived the seven-day rain bomb that was predicted last week. We got all of two days worth of rain, and it was... Not two days worth. It rained on two days. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. That's uh, an, an important clarification. <laughs> yeah. And when it rained, it rained for, like, minutes. Yeah. It... Okay, so I keep saying this to people, and they're looking at me like I am an idiot, right? Yep. Now, a lot of it is because if I, I think if you're on social media, you're not seeing it. If you're, you're listening to traditional media, you are seeing it. We do it, so you don't have to, yes. right? So what I'm telling the people is that every day they tell you there is a weather warning. Um, I think it's embedded into the big tech companies as well because the weather apps also tell you thunderstorm coming 99%. Uh, This is what I know about probability. Everything's (laughs) (laughs) 50-50. So it either rains or it doesn't rain. They are wrong, but the beauty of the of the, the these technical apps, you just change it. So you just say, "Oh, that's right." Uh, you can update it after exempt, the fact. Right? Yeah, yeah. But every freaking day, the words that they use are like rain bomb. Yeah. Weather alert. Yeah, and this is all just in line with the climate change agenda, which we've been we've been through it a million times. But first, it was global cooling, then it was global warming. Now it's climate change, and because the climate hasn't changed for 15 years, now it's um, we are going to be experiencing more irregular and severe weather events. So now they have to say there's a rain bomb every week, even though uh, the rain bomb is uh, two days in which it rained, and one of those days I think it rained for about 10 to 15 minutes or something like that. It was light rain. Yeah, but as we said on the show last week, if you don't work outside and pay attention to this, all you hear is this messaging and, and there is never a point where, because if you're sitting in your office at work, there is never a point where you are um, actively thinking about the weather unless you work outside. I work outside. Uh, I, was, I was telling the group chat yesterday that uh, leading into this week, I was like, oh, this, this forecast will stuff me because I'm booked absolutely solid on Monday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday this week. Uh, obviously being a gardener we have had some rain it's summer everything's growing like crazy so if it was going to rain for seven days it was going to completely stuff me and I've worked every single day gotten everything done that I need to get done well I had the opposite of what you had because and this is what has really fired me up I lost an appointment because he didn't want to come into the city because he thought the storm was coming yeah yeah so there you go there's the fear and it stopped me from selling a car yep so i hate it Mm. so guys keep an eye on it keep an eye on it now to counter that i'm a little bit superstitious and i might ruin my run streak but i wore this watch on monday Mm -hmm. sold a car made some money right i'm like okay i'll wear it again because i've got got like 10 watches that i have on sort of rotation yep like okay i'll wear it again on tuesday made money on tuesday so like okay it's a good run all right so it must be the watch so i'll put Wednesday, put it on. I'm at, I've had a crack of week. <laughs> I've had a great, great week. So the watch is staying on. Yep. Uh, opportunities has, has spring forward. I, I, love, I love how we have a podcast which is essentially based around conspiracy theories and an eternal struggle for relevance and uh, 
increasing trust with our audience and you're basing your entire business off a watch <laughs> well no okay so that that is that is peak vibe right there no let me That's try and Marba. link it together it's just the vibe but, of the watch no it, i can i can make it sound even crazier than <laughs> i listened to a podcast it was a danny jones podcast yep. you know i'm a big fan of i i to me he's replaced rogan because he gets the freaks that rogan used to get right this guy, I watched, it was two, almost three hours on remote viewing. Yep. And I, have I men- mentioned remote viewing on this? You haven't mentioned it on the show, no. So for those that don't know, remote viewing is the practice of being able to see a particular site in your mind remotely in the past, in the present, and sometimes in the future. Mm-hmm. Sounds crazy, right? Yuri Geller. So you do you remember Yuri Geller, the spoon, yeah, the spoon bender? bender? He was a remote viewer. He was one of the most talented remote viewers. Now, the re- there's some validity behind this practice, which is that the CIA invested millions of dollars in the 1970s. Yeah, into research on it. Into research on it, yeah. So Ted Kaczynski, as the Unabomber, he was involved in some of this and some of this stuff and some other sort of experiments yep but he this guy that they interviewed he was a ex-military guy he's not a woo-woo but he's a guy that sort of ended up going down that path but he has a very practical um uh way i guess of explaining things or at least rationalizing things in his mind yep and one of the things he talked about was manifesting. He goes, I hate it when people say I manifested a thing because it's, he says, not manifestation. Right. He said what it is, and, and, and I'm, I could potentially, okay, this might write heaps of people off. I'm going to sound fucking crazy, right? Here we go. All right. Basically, everything in the universe is a frequency, a vibration. Okay. Yeah. So the fact that you can't push your hand through the table is because your hand vibrates at a certain frequency. The table um, goes to a different frequency and therefore they can't pass through each other. Mm-hmm. But if you could if you could cycle, if, if, if you could bring those two frequencies into line, it would just move straight through. Okay, yes. it's the same frequency. Now, there is proof of this in a practical sense, which is if you get a... If you, if you get a... Uh, 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 what's it it's like a sound fork what are those things you know you hear them a tuning fork tuning fork yep. if you get a tuning fork and then you get another tuning fork at two different frequencies and if you hit one nothing happens to the other yeah but if you if they're of equal frequency if you hit one the other one rings through so yep. there's something there's some mechanic that happens but using vibrations and frequencies to send information through the air right Okay, so that, that makes sense. That part makes sense. Yep. Well, these remote viewers believe that they've been able to harness the ability to to use a frequency uh, remote control to be able to see an object in space-time. Mm-hmm. Now, the manifest thing is about... It's not about... It's not about thinking about a thing and, and, and it just happening. It's about putting like having your mind in that vibration in that frequency Mm -hmm. this this is the crazy part 
if you believe that there's multiple layers of uh, of um, consciousness, reality, consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the Marvel thing went on different timelines. Yep. Well, there's basically infinite timelines in infinite amount of universes. So you know they talk about probability where, like, like there is a world where you and I are. Uh, no, what's a better analogy for not it? not censored on social media and have a massive yeah. following? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's there's one and with paid a slight for variation. By the government. So each possibility, each possibility is built into the system. Is what this is believed, and we are we are only we are only perceiving one version of it, but yep. we're actually depending on the decisions we make in, in, in life are sort of rolling between different uh, potential outcomes. Mm-hmm. So he talked about it about the fact that you focus on a thing puts your frequency on, like starts to bring it towards the potential for that thing to happen. Right. So it's, so it, to try to explain this, I guess what you're saying is that there are a whole bunch of different potential realities which are all resonating at different fre- frequencies. Bingo. And when you put focus into a certain outcome your body and your your being starts to vibrate at that same frequency so the 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 possibility and the universe that you step into is the one in which that thing is occurring yes you're constantly opening a door that you uh that you are um i guess consciously leading yourself to yep so um i I found it really interesting And, and then that's like where the watch thing comes in is it is it the fact that I've picked this watch up and I'm putting that um, am I putting that energy I guess or that frequency into that object yeah so the object becomes a talisman that when it's around you your body intuitively vibrates at that same frequency yes. interesting yes yeah so thanks Casio <laughs> <laughs> hey, look it, this might sound whacked out or crazy or whatever but there's actually a lot of things that we have even spoken about over the past few months of this podcast, which could somewhat be explained by this sort of, you can call it a technology, I guess. Um, things such as uh, that presentation we listened to from Eric Weinstein about um, how to travel between worlds instead of using jet propulsion, which is mm. what we've always done with rockets, essentially trying to... Uh, use geometry to like fold the universe so instead of having to go from this point to this point if you can fold the universe over on itself you're only going from this point to this point you only have to move very a very short duration yep uh also there's i don't know if you've seen all of this stuff but there's all of the uh posts going around x at the moment about mh370 and about how the U.S. government, they there is a belief that they have technology which can teleport objects. Yeah, I, I can tell you, I I did the deep dive on that. It's not right. Well, hey, no, maybe uh, not. The footage that that was used. The, okay, there's two big holes in that story, and I wanted to believe. I wanted to believe. Yeah. So, so what Jason's referring to is there's this there's two videos that show three orbs going around an airplane. And then it's exploding and disappearing. Yeah. Okay. There's two images. There's one that is supposed to be a satellite. Uh, the way they explained it is satellites actually don't uh, visually capture what's happening because they're moving too fast. Yep. So what happens is the information is sent to a multitude of 
like a network of satellites and they've programmed it to create a representation of what we would see. Yep. Okay. And then there's also a heat version of it where you can see like this heat signature right. that apparently was from a jet that was following it. The explosion, unfortunately, is from a 1990s uh, B-grade movie where that digital asset is available online. Right. Or was that digital asset planted there by the deep state post the leaking of this, these videos? The mood people have got the VHS of the movie. <laughs> okay. But, so, okay, so, so, so there wasn't that. But let, I, let me give you another little piece. Let me sound a little less crazy. When you're talking about perception of reality and space-time, how many times have you had a sleep where you've slept for... 15 minutes but you've had a dream that's felt like days never in the last four years i can tell you that <laughs> yeah but it's a phenomenon right like totally. sometimes yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah like when you so, have those like lucid dreams where you are in a dream state but you feel like you can actually control your behaviors and what you're doing and yeah but that's happened in a compressed time frame mm. but it felt like a normal timeline for you yeah but you only which means that it's just our perception of the time on this plane, do yep. we feel it, uh, it, it, it follows a particular speed? Mm-hmm. But in your mind, your consciousness can do it at different speeds. It could probably, who knows if it's instant. It could be an instant. It could be moved at the speed of light where you could have a day-long dream in a moment. Yeah. But we don't know because we can't measure it. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's a lot more questions. And we've, and we've got to give ourselves credit. Our brains are the most complicated and sophisticated organisms in the universe. Absolutely. We would appreciate that, that there's mm. so much stuff we don't know about it. And there's even things too, like just me thinking off the top of my head now, uh, anyone who listens to Joe Rogan will probably have heard of this before, but they talk about how people who take DMT, dimethyltryptamine, end up having the same hallucinations as each other. So the, the theory is that it actually is like transporting you to a different universe where you're all a going... A plane of consciousness, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, different plane of consciousness where you're going to meet the same aliens and, and have the same, same experiences, which is uh, super interesting, yeah. Yeah, so there's just so much more that needs to be done in that space. And um... I'm a firm believer that there is so much more out there, so to speak, than we will ever possibly know. Uh, you know, religious people have always put it down to some sort of divine deity. But again, is it the divine deity or is it because they are resonating at that level because of their faith in that deity that actually brings them what they think the deity is bringing? Cause and effect, right? Chicken or the egg, that old that old chestnut. So, Well, it's funny you say that because the older I get, the more I realise like the biblical sense of, you know, the world's creation and the scientific one of actually really simple like really similar mm. yeah like they're almost like in line with each other mm-hmm. so they can you know it could appear like they're both right yeah totally right so, so um, the lesson from this is we don't know what the truth is but that old saying where focus goes energy flows i think is very accurate so just yeah like I, I'm going to give people a pass on this, right? Cool. The only reason why I can talk about this stuff or think about this stuff is because I work for myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> the only, I get it. If you've got a boss that yeah. won't let you have a moment to yourself without being busy or looking busy, yep. or you've got this bullshit form to do, you can't think about 
the frequencies of different altered realities. That's right. <laughs> All right, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So I'll, you know, so we'll do the thinking for you. We'll do. We'll just do like the, the mainstream media would. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's let's move on. So we've got a few things we're going to be talking about today. A um, little bit, a little bit of random compared to what we have been talking about recently. Uh, one of the things is uh, Volodymyr Zelensky just has gone on a bit of a shopping spree, which mm. we're going to detail for. Well, you. technically he didn't, but. Well, technically, yeah. We'll get to that. We'll uh, get to that. We're also going to cover some Disney stuff as well. Some interesting things coming out of Disney, which then rolls into... I'm sure that lots of you who follow this show would have seen the clips of Elon Musk uh, being recently interviewed and saying some interesting, thing about, in, uh, interesting things about advertisers. And finally, we do need to briefly discuss the uh, digital identity bill, which passed its first hurdle... Uh, in Parliament yesterday. So, but I want to start with Zelensky because we'll we'll cover this this briefly. And it is the first of December today. So Alex and I, as you guys would be aware, have a bet that the Russia-Ukraine conflict was going to have a peace agreement signed by the end of 2023. That was that was the terms. Are they going to sign it on this boat? Maybe. Uh, can you zoom in? Come a little on bit, my boat and find the agreement. A little bit more. For peace on January 1st. <laughs> All right. So this article is uh, called Ukrainian President Zelensky uses proxies to hide ownership of $75 million yachts. This is from five days ago. Uh, an independent journalistic investigation found out that the two closest associates of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky have recently purchased two luxury yachts, one in Abu Dhabi in the UAE and the other in, uh, is that Antibes? I've never, yeah, I don't, I've never seen that word before. France in October 2023. So these were purchased in October. Zelensky's proxies Boris and Sehir Shafir uh, bought yachts, the total cost of which is estimated to be $75 million. Large purchases by people close to the Ukrainian leader raise suspicion of corruption and raise doubts about the targeted spending of Western financial aid allocated to support Ukraine's defence capabilities in the military conflict with Russia. Journalist Shazad Nasir shared important information about recent yacht purchases by close associates of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Goes into a lot of the details. Um, they have some expensive off boats. Oh yeah. According to the acquired data, Ukrainian citizens Sahir and Boris Shafir purchased two yachts moored in Abu Dhabi and Antibes a few days apart. Nazir presented documents confirming the purchase of the yachts named Lucky Me and My Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Uh, according to the documents, the first yacht, the 46-meter Italian-made Lucky Me, was Can bought... I just need to say, usually when you're talking yachts, you talk in feet. Yeah. But in super, super yachts, it's meters because it's so much bigger. Oh, yeah. And, and look, we probably don't really need to read too much more of the article. Yeah. It pretty much keeps going over the same things. However, uh, an interesting juxtaposition with this at the moment is... I don't know if you've seen all the clips. Re oh, you would have because you sent me a, a reel made out of it this morning. Um, Zelensky has... He's basically had his cash lifeline cut off from the U.S., so ever since uh, the Israel-Palestine conflict, or Israel-Hamas more specifically, conflict has kicked off, uh, Ukraine's kind of been dropped like the ugly ex-girlfriend by the US government. And the purse strings have been uh, basically tied up and, and they're done. And Zelensky was recently seen basically saying, uh, look, if you can't give us any more... Do it more, in the accent. Do it in the accent. If you can't give us any more money, just, just can you lend us the money and we'll pay you back, essentially, is what he's saying. 
So there was a meme that was made that I sent to Jason before, which is him in a casino. (laughs) If you can't give us the money, give us credit. credit. That's right. We will pay back later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he's desperate. Now, that tells me a few things. Number one, uh, I think the war is still going to come to an end. Now, a month might be too short. So you might be in the box seat to win those sats. But I do think the war will come to an end sooner rather than later. Yeah, I and I so. said this 12 months ago, but anyway. Yeah, I think so. And I also believe that because I think this is an example of Zelensky knowing the writings on the wall and trying to funnel out as much of this US aid money to himself personally as he possibly can before the jig is up. This was on um, Breaking Points two or three weeks ago okay. where, where they'd said uh, someone went and spoke to one of the security advisors over in Ukraine. Yep. And the guy go after the interview, he said, hey, off record, I just, I'm telling you, everyone is like uh, stealing as much as they can. They're yep. literally like ripping the, 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 the paintings off the wall. Yep. Because, and this is like the Ukrainian politicians and the military realize the money's not coming anymore. Yeah. And they're just like enriching themselves that's right it is, yeah it's like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for these people to get generational wealth is essentially yeah. what they're trying to do yep. and it is at the expense of the US taxpayer and the EU taxpayer oh for, uh, and the lives of tens of thousands of Ukrainian boys and Russian boys yeah well I mean that's the as, disgusting thing as someone put it the other day because there's all these things that have also come out recently about how Russia, it has been confirmed by a senior minister in Ukraine that Russia was uh, willing to go to the negotiating table right at the beginning of the conflict. We knew that. Yeah, we've reported on the show before. But it's been confirmed again that they were willing to negotiate the entire time and it was Boris Johnson uh, who vetoed the whole thing. He said it. Okay, so you know know what I said last week, how... Uh, as the the first news, the first thing is often like the most true version of it. Yep. They showed the clip. I wish we could pull it up where he said, um, "Now's not the time for negotiating." He said that. That's Now's right. the time for us to protect, you know, the the yep. sovereignty of the um, Ukrainian state. Yeah, because they wanted the conflict because that was their opportunity to launder all the money through the military industrial complex because they needed a fresh conflict because the U.S. government had just pulled out of Afghanistan. That's what all this was about. That's what we spoke about right from the beginning. We were proven right. Again, I'll chalk that one up. Tick. Thank you very much. And now that, like I said, now that they've got their hot new girlfriend in Israel that they can launder money through with a, a much more entrenched supporter base in the US than Ukraine does. uh, Now they're just dropping Ukraine like the ugly ex. Yeah. Okay. So just going on the, the, the Gaza conflict. Yep. And, you, and it's interesting what you said about that entrenchedness. And it's, it's both sides, right? Heavy Jewish presence, uh, presence within the world, mm-hmm. but even heavier presence from, like, the Islamic world. What Do you think that was underestimated? Do you think at yes. least Western powers did not realise... Because, okay, there's a lot of inter-hatred between Islamic groups as well. Yes. All right, so a lot of is, uh, uh, certain Muslims hate other ones. Yep. But it seems like, if anything, they've united far more maybe than what they were predicting. Look, potentially, yeah. Um, this, this is exa- this is what we I, I said on the show maybe two weeks ago when we spoke about this. 
I think you're right. I think they completely underestimated the uh, the level of Islamic uh, influence that is actually available in every Western country now. And this is where the democratic government in America, but also the left in general, always ends up tying itself in knots. Because uh, from all the analysis on, on the conflict that I've been listening to, they do say that the majority of people who identify as Jewish in the United States typically vote Democrat. Always have done, always will do. So, but then the problem is, the Democrat and the left being the side which participates in um, demographic politics all the time and race-baiting and race-based politics, mm. well, they've, they've eaten themselves, uh, turned themselves into knots because all of a sudden... Um, like prior to this kicking off, Democrats would look at, say, uh, Palestinian refugees as the oppressed, right? And and the left side of politics views everything through the lens of oppressor and oppressed. And and again, the Jews too, the Democrats have always viewed as the oppressed. And fair enough, because of the Holocaust and all of those bad things that happened to the Jews. So now you got two of the oppressed that you have to. Like that are now fighting each other. So now there's a conflict between two of the oppressed groups that you typically supported. And now what you're starting to see is there's this um, tension between there are a whole bunch of high-ranking Democrats who are, uh, who are Jewish, mm-hmm. who want to back Israel, but the voter base, because of the amount of mass immigration that the West has allowed from these um, destabilized Muslim nations for the last 20 years of the war on terror that we have funneled um, is like Muslims and Arabs into all different Western countries, quite rightly. We started the war and the conflict and we blew their homes up. We should give them lodging. But now you've got this issue where you got the majority of the people in the government are Jewish, but the majority of the voter base that you rely on for their votes to get elected are Arab or Muslim. So yeah. what do you do? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's it definitely has taken a different tone to what I was what I was uh, expecting. expecting. Yep. Yeah, I thought I thought, and we've said it here. I thought it was just going to be like a really one sided. Hey, pick a. We had to be pro Israel because we've got that security pact, and yep. I think to a point that's where at least the media is appearing to position themselves, but they're also putting in. They're also showing they're trying to be balanced, but I think there's an undertone of like, yeah, we get we get what the Palestinians are saying, but we're with yeah, but but that's Israel. that same tension issue too, because if you want to look at the two groups, Arabs or um, or Jews or, or sorry, Muslims or Jews, there are there are a far higher percentage of high-ranking executives in the media who are Jewish, at least in the West, who are Jewish compared to who are Muslim. Yeah, for sure. So the so the decision makers want to side with Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the yeah, viewers, absolutely. yeah, they're like, nah, the, nah, don't agree. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. The the Muslims far outnumber the yeah. Jews. So you caught between this tension between your decision maker and your client base. See, that's where I think Tim Dillon, you know, the comedian Tim Dillon, he said it best. He can fix the whole thing. He he has one solution. 
get the Christians back in there. Yeah. Send the Christians <laughs> back in, fix it all. You guys had your try. Yep, then it makes it's it straightforward like, for the West again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again, like that's the whole beauty of Russia-Ukraine. Like we, we detailed all the problems with Ukraine when that conflict kicked off. It was often called one of the most corrupt countries in the world all the systemic issues that happened over there. But because of demographics in the West, it was a far easier sell to sell Russia and Putin bad, Ukraine, democracy, the oppressed, we should support Mm. them. That was a really easy sell. And all of a sudden you had everyone with the Ukraine flag in their bios alongside how many jabs they've had. But now this is is such an interesting conflict, this uh, Israel-Hamas conflict. Yeah. Because... Yeah, the demographics don't work. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, I think. I think in from an Australian context, I think it's another thing that really hurts Albanese, and because mm. he's been pretty quiet. There's not a lot of. He hasn't been speaking a lot about it now. Again, have he to definitely be. spoke a lot about it before. Yeah, but uh, same showed, tension. Same yeah, we tension. showed we showed the clip on the. Um, on the show, I think two or three weeks ago, where he was at uh, anti-Israel rallies, yeah. But now he's got to toe the toe the line. That's right. That is, uh, yeah. So, uh, did you? See, I saw some note. I didn't read the article. It was about um, the union bosses are going to turn on Albo as well. So they're calling him the one-term wonder. Yeah, they've already been turning for a while because, especially in Victoria, there was talks to ban duck hunting. And the union was already turning on the Victorian Labor government um, massively because they didn't want to ban duck hunting. So <laughs> Isn't it amazing what we'll do? <laughs> we, will topple, we will topple our government. I want to hunt ducks, man. Totally. <laughs> I wanna... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, I don't yeah, want I this mean, rat playing at my golf club. But I, but I give them credit, right? Because like a lot of people hunt for food. Like It sounds barbaric to the average Westerner who goes and buys their meat off the shelves at, at Coles or Woolies. But in my opinion, going out and hunting your own food is a fu- If you want to eat meat, it is the most, um, what's, what's the word? Ethical way of eating meat. Go out, uh, find an animal that's of the right age, size, etc. Kill that animal yourself, process it yourself, respect that animal, and make sure none mm. of it goes to waste. Yeah, it's what I like about, you know, I think Canada is probably one of the really good examples where they have strict... Uh, like they have um, organizations that make sure that populations are controlled so yeah. they because like a lot of animals just go you, you know we've got a kangaroo problem totally so so what do we what does our government do because of the kangaroo problem i don't know okay don't know this is another thing that people don't know uh we have hunters that fly around in helicopters in far north queensland and the northern territory and western australia and they just shoot animals from the sky we do it with a lot of our pest animals, a lot of kangaroos, camels. Um, there's Asian water buffalo that are in the northern parts of the country, and they do cause a lot of problems because they destroy like native uh, flora and fauna. They also, um, because they wallow in a lot of water holes, they actually um, uh, pollute a lot of the watering holes because they just sit in it and shit all mm. day. So they will often just shoot these animals and leave them there to rot and be eaten by the native wildlife. Do you know how they got here? The yeah, because the Australia, Australia and New Zealand were just going to be hunting paradises for the elites from from Europe. The British aristocrats. Yeah, they and dropped they, them they off and went sailing. Here, dropped them here. Jolly good, jolly good. We'll come back and hunt some buffalo. Yep. 
and yeah. now they're invasive and they've taken over but, but you're right so when whereas in the US where it's got a and, and Canada too where they've got a big traditional hunting culture the way that it works is you have to go and buy tags um, every year to be able to buy a tag to say you can kill an animal of a certain type and the wildlife rangers over there they do all of the assessing and the testing and they see what the populations of which animals are doing what every single year and they only hand out a certain number of tags based on how many animals are available so it does keep the ecosystem in a balance and sustainable it's it is one of the most ethical ways to do it and i understand that we probably have some people listening who are vegetarian or vegan because of ethical concerns and i totally i'm totally fine if you don't want to eat meat because of those reasons but what i will not cop is the fact that human beings are the only animals on the planet who aren't allowed to kill and eat another animal. Because the same animal that you want to protect will quite happily murk another one to survive. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I watched... The, I'm, I've found myself to be a bit of a bird watcher now. And I watched, I watched these little minor birds, like, fuck up magpies. Totally. Like, it's war. I it love spring. War. When spring first kicks off, it is like because i live right off the back of the wetland so there's heaps of wildlife around my house and in spring it's everything comes alive because everyone wants to mate everyone is um you know fighting over territory fighting over resources the whole you could just go for a walk around the streets and you see so much activity but you're right a lot of it is it's it's dog eat dog it's survive like that's what the real world is so yeah, ethical hunting, I'm all for. It's something yeah. that I wish I had more time to do myself because I am yeah. a big meat eater and would love to ethically source my own meat. Maybe when the boy's a little bit older, it's something that I'll get into. But anyway, we are we are digressing away from, from the point. So we've covered altered states of consciousness, pagan. Pagan? <laughs> <laughs> now let's move to our next one, which is Disney. So the reason why I'm mainly bringing this story up is and I I mentioned the same word track last week. I remember during the heights of the pandemic when it felt like the leftist authoritarian walls were closing in and the world was going in a direction that felt like it was irreversible at the time. You had lockdowns, you had vaccine mandates, you had people being kicked out of work for not getting a vaccine. You had police strangling people they found on the street because they didn't have a mask on. You had people getting arrested from their homes for posting on Facebook about uh, a pro- a man- anti-lockdown protest that was happening. Like, it, it seems so bad. But, as we always say, the pendulum always swings back the other way. And this interesting story came up during the week from the Daily Mail. Woke Disney admits misalignment between its movies and what viewers want is harming its bottom line after progressive Snow White reboot was pushed back for a huge overhaul. So did it come out? No, it, it hasn't come out and it, it, it's not, it, they're not planning on releasing it with the script that it was being filmed with. Because so, wasn't it going to come out as uh, basically Snow Beige and the Seven racially diverse and sexually diverse y'all finna destroyed the earth um no so one of the things that sparked this oh well actually said let's go into the article because we can we can go into it so um disney has warned its investors that the company's products and political views may not align with what viewers want and risk harming its bottom line in a public financial filing so so just before i get i love this, this i love this this is what i want you guys to understand and this is a whole reason for bringing this story up. And 
Elon Musk says it perfectly in another thing we're going to play later, where he says the biggest thing that he focuses on is basically doing the right thing, not the perception of doing the right thing. And in his mind, there is a whole bunch of people out there who are pretending to do the right thing, but are actually doing evil. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. Because money makes the world go round. There's a great bit. Damien Power, Aussie comedian, yep. does this amazing comedy bit that basically shows... You should go look at it. I think it's online. Oh, it might not be. I saw it live. It was awesome. Basically illustrates what slavery is like in China by the people that like make your shoes. Yeah. And then when he does an, imp- an Asian impersonation... And you could, well, he was a bit, he goes to do the voice yep. and everyone gets uncomfortable. And he's like, see how you guys were like uncomfortable about the voice, but you're quite happy to wear the shoes exactly. of the little child in my story that made them for you. Yeah, exactly. We, we all exactly. live that. We live that. Perfect example. Yeah. So let's continue. In a public filing for the fiscal quarter ending in September, the corporation acknowledged the risks it is taking relating to misalignment with public and consumer tastes and preferences for entertainment. Disney has struggled of late to successfully pitch its costly films to audiences, losing a reported $1 billion on its last four high-profile releases. Most recently, The House of Mouse delayed the release of its $330 million Snow White reboot by a year after star Rachel Zegler sparked fury with a woke rant against the 1937 original and vowed that the remake would be more progressive. The company's SEC filing, which is submitted so that investors, analysts, and regulators have a clear idea of how the company is performing, said Disney's success depends on our ability to consistently create compelling content. When creators do not achieve sufficient uh, consumer acceptance, profits fall, the report warned. Can't have that. You can't have that. No, you can't. Further, consumers' perceptions of our position on matters of public interest, including our efforts to achieve certain... uh, to achieve certain of our environmental and social goals, ESG, often differ widely and presents risk to our reputation and brand, it added. Disney has been embroiled in several political controversies in recent years that have illustrated to some parents and consumers that the brand's values may no longer align with their own. Notably, the company took a strong position against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' parents' Don't Say Gay Bill, actually called the Parents' Bill of Rights, that bans sexual and gender curricula for public elementary school students. The company has since continued releasing agenda-driven content. CEO Bob Iger assured investors in September that he will strive to quiet the noise around the company's involvement in cultural issues because it has shown to be bad for business, but that quieting has evidently not yet occurred. GOP Senator Ted Cruz, who is often vocal on culture war issues, reacted to the corporate disclosure on a recent episode of his podcast, Verdict, calling the filing stunning. He'd argued that uh, uh, where go? Sorry. He argued that Disney's acknowledgement of the current disharmony between its products and its consumers is indicative of the huge amount of money the company has lost on its recent progressive endeavors. The phrase "Go woke, go broke." Disney has sadly embodied that phrase. I'm sure Walt Disney's spinning in his grave at horrors to what has happened to his namesake. Anyway, it'll just keep going through through more and more. I'm going to see if I can bring up another version of this too that just got sent to me today. So okay, see if, uh, see if you can find it, but just flick the... I, I, I've, got it up, I've got it up here now. Hold on, okay. Hold on. So, okay, so what, what we're saying is, or what that article is saying is, dude, this woke shit is going to fuck us up, is what, is what, yeah. is what they're saying. 
But but no, this is this is what it's really saying to me. I believe the majority of the Western world thinks that the majority of the Western world agrees with all of these woke agenda-driven policies. Oh, for sure. Because that's the sales pitch we received. And as I said, the biggest positive that I received out of the referendum is that was our first glimpse into real data which shows that that's not the case and that the majority actually disagrees with a lot of this stuff. Now, what you're seeing with Disney is that as much as Disney other companies but primarily being driven by Larry Fink from BlackRock with their ESG agenda the, as much as they are trying to propagandize and drive these agendas down our throats people just aren't buying it anymore and they're voting with their dollar and what I think is fascinating and the reason why this is accelerating at a rapid pace right now is this is something that Jordan Peterson um, says all the time about if you want if you want people to care about the environment, which is the, the best thing that you can do to get people to care about the environment is to lift them out of poverty as soon as you possibly Absolutely. can. Because, do, you know what I, do you know the argument I use for that? Hold on. Let me actually outline this. You understand what I'm talking about, but the, the listeners might not. The reason why you need to lift people out of poverty as quickly as you possibly can is because no one gives a shit about making decisions which will affect the planet in 100 years from now if they don't know where their next meal is coming from. So if you lift people out of poverty, and I think the, the absolute minimum you have to get to people in like the, um, the third world is like 5,000 US dollars a year. That's all they have to get. Then and only then do people actually start making decisions about longer term into the future. So what we are experiencing right now across the Western world is a cost of living crisis. You are having rampant inflation, interest rates being jacked at the fastest rate during, in history, all of these things which are adding to cost of living in the Western world. All of a sudden, life ain't so cushy for people in the West. A lot of people have actually been pushed to or underneath the poverty line now in the West, even though they're still earning a decent wage. And all of a sudden, people are being forced to make decisions. Shit, our budget's not not balancing at the end of the month. All right, well, what are we going to remove from our budget? Well, Disney Plus is a cost they're no longer creating content that i want to watch so that's one of the things that we're going to throw out and i think that you're going to see again pendulum swinging you're going to see a lot of these companies realize that hey because we pushed the middle class and and lower into such a bad financial state it's actually our woke products which are going to be thrown out first because people don't give a shit about them if they don't know where the next meal is coming from yeah provides no value my argument for the uh like why I'm such a big proponent of Peterson and and the his idea on the world is the best one of the best examples I think you could find is cotton buds, right? A hundred, well, uh, two hundred cotton buds with a plastic shaft. Yep, the dollar. Yeah. Yep. The the ba- bamboo um rest- uh, 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 the 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 environmentally friendly version is seven dollars yeah so it's seven times more expensive to to do the ethical version and like you said if you you can't pay the bills you're not paying seven bucks extra that's right i mean i'm I'm guilty of it now i i don't buy free-range eggs anymore we eat so many eggs in the family i'm buying bloody cage eggs from aldi Mm. because it's Mm. too expensive so here's another ethical now 
we're reading this together because I, this just got sent to me and I had a quick conversation with the guy that sent it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, let's see if this, this window thing might not work. Let's see. Does that read all right? Because I'm using a different yep. thing for it. Okay. Gambling stocks, 300% surge is a dilemma for super funds. Right. Aristocrat Leisure has invited its biggest investors, including some of Australia's top super funds, to Sydney next week to an annual event for an a unusual pokey, event. Sorry, unusual event for a pokies giant. A day devoted to environmental, social, and corporate governance. This is so funny. This is so funny. A fucking parasitic gambling company, which literally sets the limits on its machines so that I think the absolute maximum payout you can get from a pokey machine is 37%. I think that's as high as you can set it, or at least it does get set. So they're taking a time out of their day to focus on environmental, social, and corporate governance concerns. So it's worse. The Guardians of the Nas- uh, Nations Retirement Savings, who are among the top financial backers of the gambling industry, yeah. oh, will yeah. likely be watching keenly. Some funds can see that gambling, with its proven links to social harms, may become a tougher investment to justify to the millions of workers that put their money in the country's $3.5 trillion superannuation system. I just want to make an adjustment there. We don't put that money there. They take it off us. They take it, yeah. Yeah. But I I find that paragraph is really interesting written because it sounds like your super is a poking machine. Yeah. Um, Society's attitudes to what constitutes harms and uh, and the understanding of, uh, let's call it the true financial effects of harm, do change through time which is trying, them trying to justify it. No, it wasn't bad before. That's like, right. we just think it's kind of bad now. Yeah. Uh, that was Ian Patrick, Chief Investment Officer of $260 billion Australian Retirement Trust, said in an interview. Um, okay, gambling stocks have gained an average of 300% over the past decade, about 10 times that of the S&P or the ASX 200 index, mm-hmm. according to a basket of 10 ASX-listed gambling shares and this is this has happened because of essentially the gambling industry taking over the sports industry in australia so if you remember back fanny sports fans if you think back 20 years ago the primary sponsors for every single sporting team in the country was alcohol and cigarettes Mm. that was mainly it and then you'd have your banks and and your insurance companies and all that sort of stuff but the primary sponsor was always alcohol and cigarettes and then obviously times changed and the cigarette companies disappeared and they've been replaced with gambling companies and now it's one of the things that um i get concerned about because i love a punt but i'm also not an idiot but i know there's plenty of idiots out there but what concerns me is i love watching sports so my kids who watch sports with me are constantly exposed to pro gambling uh advertising and the worst thing is it's effective because it's funny like yeah. a lot of a lot of the gambling based advertising is all humor based. It's like beer ads because they're not allowed yeah. to show the rule. So that it's interesting you say that because the frameworks. This is where this is where I think we need to fuck the rules off and just it needs to be free and open market. And I think anyone yep. should be able to advertise anything they want because when you put a rule in place, the shift the focus of the frequency shifts. Yeah. So beer ads aren't allowed to show you consuming beer or having good effects of the consumption of beer. Yeah. So what do they have to do? Make the most entertaining ads ever. That's right. And Same as do. the gambling ads. They can't show you winning and making money from it. Yeah. So they have to be creative. So you force them to do something even more spectacular than what the yeah, original product was probably going to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, now... 
what I find interesting about this, so like you made a good point. We are forced into these things and then they go tip it into stuff like that. I'd actually asked, um, I, I did delete, no, yeah, I did shut it down. Okay, so I did have a, I wanted to know what was deemed as, uh, what's the word? Uh, or like Steven Seagal, so have you seen English? Uh Oh, like, like, what are naughty companies that would are deemed as uh, unethical? Unethical. Sorry, I'm a car dealer. I find that very hard to say. <laughs> um, and they said like certain types of mining, cigarettes, gambling, uh, weapons. Yeah. And then I asked it, "Who's the biggest superannuation company in Australia?" And it told me it was Australian Super. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Do they invest in these companies?" And the answer is, "Yeah, yeah, of course, because they're profitable." So that's exactly, it's the exact same story. Let's act, let's say all the right ESG vernacular. Yeah. We want to be environmentally, socially governance. We just don't want to lose any money on it. That's right. So we're going to invest all these companies. But I would also say this, fuck your ESG because the people want it, clearly. Yep. Right? The people want, I think if, if I, I'm, a, I'm a libertarian at heart, if the, if the, people want something let them have it totally right i agree and clearly the fact that the stock market the stock of those gambling stocks has gone up by 300 percent. yep surely it means there's a thirst for it in the market totally okay now people go oh yep harmful whatever why don't we why don't we are they invested in mcdonald's yeah anything anything in excess is harmful to anyone and you know we've got predatory uh you know, big food companies which sell you poison that's addictive that makes you obese. You've got your big pharma companies, etc., 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 etc. Hold on, you've got banks. You've got banks that put people on three-year fixed-term mortgages in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty-one that are about to go and double their rate. Well, it's more than double, man. I reckon for a lot of those people. But yeah, but, but how's that any different? Well, you're, you're about right. to put you're people right. into ruin. Yeah. So I'm with. But you. we don't. But we don't talk about it. But, but those people get a pass. But if you're in the naughty word club, gambling, mining, you know, well, like we need minerals. <laughs> we, you know, we, uh, we need shit. Yep. Um, but if you're, if you're in one of those, those people bad, but banks, uh, uh, farmer, all those guys, good. Because again, they've got all the money so they can buy the native ads in all the media, which leave them out of all of these negative stories. Mm. And, They've got that power and influence. But but you're right. Like, I'm the same as you. Libertarian at heart. I I like having a punt. I like having a drink. Uh, not a big drug user, but I believe that drug users should be able to use them if they want to use them. Yeah. Um, you should have a legal, uh, regulated market that these things have to go through because, again, we've seen the issues with the TGA and maybe the regulators are all fucked anyway. But at the end of the day, if you could have access to... Look at what they just did out down in the ACT. They basically legalized cocaine and some other substances in the ACT. Just happens to be the one state where all the fucking politicians live. So now it's legal to snort 15 lines of coke. And fire off fireworks yeah. where you can't anywhere else in Australia. What, like, I, I thought about getting into politics before. Now I'm really considering yeah. it. Um, but but uh, you're right. These things should all be available. But... Don't, like, forget ESG. And this, I think, segues us into the Elon Musk things uh, uh, nicely. But 
I'll, I'll, I'll do the ESG thing just to, just to wrap on the Disney thing again before we move on the thing that you need to keep in mind is voting with we, we say it all the time vote with your dollars vote with your dollars and obviously your political votes as well but vote with your dollars because the most powerful thing in the world is the super profits of these giant companies Absolutely. so if you don't like woke content don't buy it yeah and that actually yeah let's go to the Elon thing because there's a a wrinkle to this which none of the analysis that I've heard has mentioned so far as well so uh, Elon Musk was recently interviewed at uh, by the New York Times by a journal, the journalist's name is Ross Sorkin um, at some book summit and we're going to play a five minute clip of it here because it is it is a remarkable interview and I think that you guys need to hear it and you're clarifying this now um, but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. Love it. I love it. But... Go fuck yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Can you pause that? Well, well, let me ask you then. Do you know who the Bob is that he's referring to? Bob Iger. Yeah, from? Disney. Exactly. Yeah. So so this is all relevant and, and goes into that last story. So what, what they're speaking about here is the advertising boycott being run by these massive corporations like Disney, these woke companies, which are telling everyone to pull their advertising off of the X platform because of X, Y, and Z reason. No, there was a dumb comment. This It all triggered from a comment that Elon made where he said a guy was speaking the truth and everyone has perceived that to be an anti-Israel sentiment, even though if you actually... It, it's, it's kind of a problem with the X format, the way that it shows his his line. It mm. doesn't really give you the context. You have to go back to the uh, to the thing it's in response yeah. to. It's not that Let, clear. Let's be real. Though. This is just the excuse. It was the they excuse. want to For destroy sure. X and Elon Musk. Sure. So just continue sure. the clip. That's how I feel. Don't but, advertise. How do you think then about the economics of, of X? If, 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 if part of the underlying model, at least today, and maybe it needs to shift, maybe the answer is it needs to shift away from advertising. Um, if, if you believe that this is the one part of your business where you will be beholden to those who uh, have this view, what do you do? F Y. I, I understand that, but there's a reality too, <laughs> right? Yes. No. No. I, I mean, Linda no, Yaccarino's right here, and she's got to sell advertising. She must Absolutely. be like, so, oh shit. Um, <laughs> no, no, totally. So, so no, no. Actually, what what this advertising boycott is uh, is is going to do? It's it's going to kill the company. And do you think that the company? I, I, but, and the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. But there are those advertisers. I imagine are going to say. They're going to say, we didn't kill the company. Oh, yeah? They're going to say... Tell it to, tell it to Earth. But they're going to, say that, they're going to say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things 
and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? Well, that's see. that's and, what and they're going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. And what he means by that is he's going to let the public decide. He's going to let the mm-hmm. users decide what's right and what's what's wrong. Yep. And I mean, I think you kind of just illustrated before, like we have the power. Totally. We have the power when we're given it, when we're not shadow banned, when we can talk about these ideas and there's a space that we can all get together and back the things that or feel safe enough to like back the things we truly believe in. Yep. And X is a place where you can do that. Um, it, that's what he's basically illustrating. Yep. Something, okay, this, then this goes back to... We'll, the, we'll both make our cases, right? and we'll see what the outcome is. What are the economics of that for you? I mean, you, you have enormous resources, so you can actually keep this company going for a very long time. Would you keep it going for a long time if there was no advertising? I mean, if the company fails because of an advertised boycott, it will fail because of an advertised boycott. And that will be what bankrupted the company, and that's what everybody on Earth will know. What do you think, then, of the... I guess this goes back to the idea of trust, though. Then it'll be gone. And it'll be gone because of an advertised boycott. But but you recognize that some of those people are going to say that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform. And I I just wonder and ask you and think about that for a second. Tell it to the judge. But the the judge is going to be... The judge is the public. And you think that the public is going to say that that Disney is making a mistake? Yes. And they're going to boycott <laughs> Disney? They already are. Well, there are, there are some that are for, for, for lots of different reasons. But you think that this is going to, that you have the, this goes to actually the interesting of, of, of power and leverage. Let the chips fall where they may. Let the chips fall where they may. Can I ask what, why that is the approach? And I, I ask it because you've been... What's very, the other approach? Well, you've been very particular about the, I mean, the approach to Tesla. Uh, when you think about the engineering involved in that, the approach to SpaceX, the approach to um, some of the stuff you're doing with. What he's actually asking is, why aren't you just saying what you're supposed to say? Yeah. Why aren't you just pandering to us? Yep. Because that's the control we've had. We're, we're going to use the whole, our viewers' public perception to force you to do the thing that we want you to do. That's really what he's saying. Agreed. And, and, and Elon's what, resisting. And what he's doing at the same time too is like this entire summit is full of those advertisers mm. that he's talking about. So there's two things going on here. Number one, have you noticed how every single time Elon Musk says GFY or anything to that effect, he he doesn't look at Ross Sorkin. He looks directly at the audience. Yeah. He's addressing them directly. The yeah. second thing is what Ross Sorkin's doing is he's trying to tell these people, hey, the New York Times, we're on board with this, guys. Make sure you still advertise with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, continue. About a minute to go. With, with AI has been very specific, right? There's not a let, let the chips fall where they may approach to those businesses, I don't think. No, we focus on making the best products. And, and, and Tesla's gotten to where it's gotten with no advertising at all. I understand that. Tesla currently sells uh, two, twice as much uh, in terms of electric vehicles as the rest of electric car makers in, in the United States combined. Tesla has done more to help the environment than uh, all other companies combined. It would be fair to say that, therefore, as a leader of the company, I've done more for the environment than everyone else, any single human on Earth. How do you feel about that? 
No, no, but, what a gay question. No, how do I feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm asking you personally how you feel about that because this goes, we're talking about power and influence and-, and I'm saying, I'm saying what, I, what, what I care about is the, the reality of goodness, not the perception of it. Oh, yes. And what I see all over the place is people who care about looking good while doing evil. Fuck them. Yes. Okay. Oh, I love Elon. I love Elon. All right. Well, give, give I don't me. agree with everything he does, but he's the only person that's like, like, he's the only person that seems to be actually talking from a place of truth and authenticity. Yeah. And when you're the richest guy on the earth, you've got the options to do that. Because at the end of the day, if, t- if Twitter does go tits up, he'll be okay. So he can speak yeah. his truth. Yeah. Um, I've listened to a lot of analysis on this. I, uh, no, I take that back. Uh, I, I want to push back on that. Okay. Everyone should speak their truth. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But he has Everyone no fear should. of speaking the truth, whereas a lot of people do. But no one should have fear of speaking the truth. No, absolutely should. And I'm telling you, going back to the vibration thing from the, from the start, if you speak your truth, and if you are authentic, and if you'll com- communicate things that are important to you, and if, that, if it doesn't mesh with your current the current vibration that you're in, mm-hmm. you deserve a new one. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So I've, I've listened to lots of analysis on, on that. Um, what are your, what's your analysis on that? What, what's he doing? What's his message? His, uh, his message is, uh, I think it's a twofold thing. So one is, is, is literally what he said, which is fuck you to uh, big companies that are rallying against him. I think he's okay if you want to leave the platform. I think he's more than fine. Yep. What he doesn't like is trying to pressure other people to leave with you. Agreed. The boycott side, I think, is more of his issue. Because mm-hmm. um, he's not boycotting anyone. He's not saying, hey, let's rally against blah. And he's got he's got armies of Twitter users that he could, or ex-users that he could direct in any particular way, which he does not do. Yep. Um, but I also think he's saying the advertising model, it doesn't have to be advertising. Like mm-hmm. the advertisers don't necessarily hold all the cars that they think they have. And I can prove that by Tesla. Tesla has done everything it needed without the spend. So it's interesting that you came to that because in the two things I've listened to this about this today, one was they spoke about on breaking points and uh, Crystal was basically just being full lefty. She's so anti-billionaire. Yeah. Oh, she's just anti-Elon, I think. But she yeah. loves She likes billionaires as long as they're on the left. So... Uh, she was basically saying that Elon isn't the genius that we all think he is. He's torpedoing this country. I feel sorry for Linda Yaccarino, who's been hired to bring advertisers in, and now Elon's gone and done this thing. Um, even Saga pushed out and was like, yeah, Elon, can you just go back to Tesla? Because I think we'll all be better off if that happens. Mm-hmm. So their sentiment was essentially that uh, Elon, by doing this, was going to torpedo the company. I then listened to uh, No Agenda and Adam Curry's been on uh, the Elon is going to destroy X uh, and Twitter bandwagon since he took it over. He, he thought he always intended on getting rid of it. I actually think it's something bigger than this and you actually touched on it. I think Elon Musk in one fell swoop is trying to destroy the control of the advertiser model. Because this is what's going to happen from here. Elon's not an idiot. Elon knows that a whole bunch of these companies that are sitting in the audience, that are doing this um, advertiser boycott, have a shitload of enemies. And the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So this is what I would will be interested to see in the next few months. I wonder how many Twitter Blue subscribers they pick up. 
in the next mm. week or two weeks when mm. all of a sudden the people rally to elon's side and go you know what he is right i don't want twitter to be beholden to these advertising behemoths anymore i don't want my life to be beholden to advertising behemoths i need to do my part and if my part costs me eight dollars a month then so be it and also on the flip side too he is going to receive more money in advertising from right-wing non-work non-esg companies and we we've already seen i mean i've seen some stuff recently from the daily wire is increasing their advertising um you've got uh tim pool is increasing his advertising like a lot of these right more right of center uh media personalities have already stated that they're going to be increasing their advertising uh on the platform and the what he's done in this clip is exactly what we do in the sales industry when someone's trying to negotiate with you too hard take the product away from them yeah totally. oh sorry guys i'd like you know maybe you can't afford to advertise on x so yeah, yeah. look x if you guys keep destroying x it's not going to be around anymore and all the user base that's on it which is going to give you all of this exposure and you're pretending that you give a shit about the fact that your ad's being shown against something that's anti-woke you're pretending to give a shit however that's also being shown to a user that your typical advertising is not going to reach so if you keep playing this game well you're going to destroy the platform and it's not going to be there for anyone anymore but i also think that's not just to the advertisers i think that's to the users so it's a call to action for users to sign up and pay their eight dollars a month and it's a call to action to the u.s government who already has a history of financial arrangements with certain platforms which they use to disseminate certain ideas elon is not above taking money from the u.s government he's already done it with Starlink. that's where all his money's from yeah exactly besides paypal all his money is from government yeah so if you take if you threaten to take everyone's toy away all of a sudden you're going to get a fair percentage of those people coming to you with some money Mm. going hey i actually really need this um let's come to an agreement i'm not going to publicly say that we're at we're having an agreement but i'll financially support x because i i i wish he leaned more on the thing towards the end where he said i've done more for the environmental movement than anyone and he should have really gone deeper he should have really made like clearly outlined you're criticizing me for something because you want me to be a certain thing yeah. and yet I do more than anyone. That's right, because it's I that do perception more, of doing the right thing do as opposed to doing you, the right thing. I do more than Disney. I yep. do more than any of those people. Yep. But, like, and and the resistance I love. I love I loved the fact that he's bucking the trend. I don't, I think Twitter, I think X survives because if he does get into the banking thing, then there's your money there, you're fine. Yep. Um, I... I think, yeah, it's what interesting what you said about the advertising model. I mean, I want it to fail because I still think lightning payments, microtransactions is the way to go. Yep. The truest, fairest share of uh, share of wealth. So I'm all, I'm all for it. I can't wait for a time when there's no, no ads. Yep. I, I think that he'll play this by ear and he will see if his call to action from his user base is received and mm-hmm. if they get enough of an uptick in subscribers to forget about advertising altogether. Um, all right. Let's go to uh, the digital bill. All right, last thing, and we're going to cover this quickly because I do have to make a move. Yeah. Um, as I, I post up a clip during the week of, so the digital ID bill 
passes the first of three stages. So the Labor government is pushing ahead with their globalist control agenda. This is from uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts by introducing the digital ID bill. This proposal is nothing more than a 21st century version of Soviet Russia's favourite measure. Papers, please. Senator Gallagher says MyGov ID is not compulsory, that it's misinformation. The director's ID legislation didn't mention MyGov IDs, yet every director was required to get one. The reason 10 million Australians have a MyGov ID is because 10 million Australians were coerced into getting one. And One Nation will be fighting this terrible bill at every stage. Now, don't play the clip because he's essentially saying the same thing as what he's written. Here's what's interesting about that first stage, too, that, that ended up getting through Parliament, is not only did it get through, but what they were actually voting on, a lot of... Um, uh, so Malcolm Roberts had actually put forward a motion to delay um, the end of the inquiry from February to end of May to give them an, addi an additional three months for not only the senators to actually um, assess the bill itself, but for the Australian public to assess the bill too. And as Matt Canavan rose to, to say, um, pretty soon the, the politicians shut down over the Christmas holidays. They're not back till February anyway. So the yeah. whole idea of them um, putting the end of the inquiry in February is means zero oversight at all. They just want to ram this thing through. And they, they were... The majority voted against extending the inquiry by an additional three months, stating that this digital identity is so necessary that they can't afford to wait the additional three months of the inquiry. Even though this bill, the details of this bill, were originally tabled back in 2014. So it's been nine years since this idea was first brought to Parliament. And now they're saying it's so necessary that we can't wait the extra three months so the Australian public gets to have a say in, in what's happening with it. I've heard someone else keep on saying it's opt-in, it's opt-in. I was coerced into it. I have a digital ID. Yep. I, I'm completely anti-digital uh, uh, digi uh, ID. Yep. But you can't be a director of a company in Australia without having a digital ID. That's right. It's exactly what Malcolm Roberts said. It never said in the legislation that it was going to be compulsory. And then the legislation got passed. And guess what? It became compulsory for directors yeah. of companies to have a digital ID. Yeah. We, we've all got like MyGov. Because if you get any payments from Centrelink, like I get childcare subsidy, for example, I have to have a MyGov ID. And Medibank recently was hacked. And the whole point, like, there's two main reasons why, for anyone who hasn't been paying attention, there's two main reasons why the government enforcing a digital ID is a problem. Number one is it means that hackers only have to go to one place to literally get access to all of your information, and the government has never been competent in digital security ever in history. And the best example of that, not only Medibank being hacked recently, but also when they first brought out the... Um, COVID Live app. So this was pr before... $50 million worth of that. Yeah, this is before it turned into um, Vaccine Passport. But COVID Live, which, which is the original app, which you basically had to say if you had been at an exposure site, uh, the day after that was released, that got hacked and there was a, a, a personal information leak. So they've never been competent in this area before. The second reason why it's a problem is because this is all moving towards the... Um, the ultimate end goal, which is a complete and total control matrix of digital ID that attaches you and all of your details to, which every single company that you deal with will need to um, authenticate you through the digital through ID KYC, process. yep. Yep. Uh, the removal of cash from society so that every single payment will be electronic and therefore tracked. 
And then the third layer on top of that is going to be the social credit system where based on where you spend your money, you will get a score similar to a credit score, which will either disallow you for buying certain products um, because with a central bank digital currency, as we've stated before, it is programmable. So they can program where you're allowed to spend your money. Also, if your money is going to disappear in a certain length of time, maybe they want to uh, promote spending the economy. So your benefit that you get from Centrelink will only be in the form of a payment which only lasts for a week and you have to go yep. and spend it in the economy. You can't save any money. This is the framework they're moving towards. This is why digital ID is the problem and this is why we all need to be mobilized against this. Put submissions in, email your local member, ring the phone, get everyone to know that if this gets passed next year, every single person who voted for it is being voted out because we want someone else to come in and repeal this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, let's leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us, guys, and we will see you next week. Bye.